Welcome to the Weave Your Bliss podcast. I'm your host, Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer and business coach helping you to live in your purpose. And that is what this podcast is all about. So let's jump right in to the conversation. Hello and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm Paula, your host. Super happy you're here. Today, I have a conversation with Michael Graham, who is a former client, and I'll tell you a little bit more about him in a moment, but I have a really, really exciting announcement, and I can barely contain myself because I want to invite you today to the Cosmic Business Salon, which is a masterclass series to help you build your ethical and equitable, spiritually aligned and financially successful business so that you can bankroll the change you want to see in the world. You see, it's very ambitious. It is a gathering of incredible experts sharing their expertise. A lot of these experts charge hundreds of dollars an hour and you get to access this totally for free. So go to cosmicbusinesssalon.com and you all you have to do is put in your name and email. You'll get some info from me about how to access everything. It starts on March 6th and we'll go that whole week. And I'm so excited to share it with you. Also, there will be an opportunity for an upgrade, which allows you to give back to Soul Fire Farm. We're giving 100% of the profits to Soul Fire Farm, which supports indigenous and black farmers. Go to cosmicbusinesssalon.com. It's also in the show notes and make sure you sign up for these awesome conversations. Okay, so today's conversation is with my former client, Michael Graham, who is the owner and founder of Satsong Vanworks in Lafayette, Colorado. He uses his skill set as a high caliber woodworker for the last two plus decades to bring vibrancy and true craftsmanship into the luxury van building industry. Following the growing demand, Michael has worked to expand his company, creating a space for van conversions and CNC milling alike. We had such a fun conversation about his journey but also how to run a business from a sacred place and not personalizing every no and every yes. Um, We talked about moving from burnout to enjoying your business again, super important stuff that I think will really support you if you are struggling with this and doing all the things in your business. We also talked about van life. So if that's something that you're into, he kind of helps us to understand what you should know if you do want to move your life into a van. Um, and of course we talked about his astrology. So for those of you who do astrology, you'll be interested to hear about some things I talk about that are combinations that really support entrepreneurship. So without any further ado, I will jump right into this conversation with Michael Graham. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is my first podcast. Oh, your first <laughs> podcast ever. First podcast ever. That's great. Well, I'm excited to be the first. What I usually like to do is to talk to people about their journey. And you have such an interesting job in the world, right? You're helping people build out custom vans. And it's a dream of a lot of people. They really want to have this like bespoke, cool, you know, van that they can live in. So how did you get here? What was that journey like? Like you said, it's been pretty unique. I knew really early on, I guess, what I didn't want to do more so than what I wanted to do. And that geared me pretty clearly in a certain direction. 
have always been working with my hands. And I built like my first piece of furniture when I was 12 or 13 with my dad and my uncle and really just started there. Have always been working in the trades, more specifically with custom carpentry, built custom homes for a long time, and then got into the tiny home building. So built probably, I'd say 80 to 100 different tiny homes on different trailers and watched them drive out the driveway and got behind the really just different ways of being in a creative process other than a massive, massive mansion, you know, somewhere with lots of wasted materials and taking up lots of space. And honestly, the vans was a friend of mine asked me to build a van for him so that he could go snowboarding in it. So we did that together on the weekends and put up a Craigslist ad. And I was booked out for about 18 months and six weeks. So there's this big wave of van life that came, you know, five, six years ago. And it just so happens I was on the crest of it right as it started and have been doing it ever since. Yeah. And so when I first met you, because we worked together, you told me that it was really important to you to help people kind of get out of this like mortgage trap and, and like try to do something different and maybe even, you know, be able to move around and have more freedom. So that really became an inspiration for you in this whole process, right? For sure. I think it it paralleled my ability to have more flexibility in the creative process also. So the offering of giving people a way out was also me giving myself a way out (laughs) of the way that a typical person who works with their hands moves in the world. You know, they clock in, clock out and are very limited by what they're working on, by what they're making and by who they're working with. I gave myself the opportunity by working on vans to give myself more freedom in the creative process, change more what I was making. And the projects are pretty quick turnover. So, you know, I can do a van in about six weeks now, and therefore I'm working with lots of different people. So really the freedom I'm offering them was one that I found for myself as a business owner also, which was really great. So it was a mutual respect there for sure. Yeah, I love that. And also we've talked a lot about kind of running a business from a spiritual place and having, you know, that kind of perspective as you're, as you're working. And so maybe you can talk a little bit about that. I mean, the name of your business is Satsong. So talk about what that means to you and like the foundations of your, of your values as a business owner. Yeah, man, that changes so often and has changed so much (laughs) since I started. There were lots of different ways that I would define that a long time ago, you know, five, it feels like lifetimes ago when I started this. But the simplest way I think that I could say, and I was actually thinking of this today, is that my business is an extension of my own well-being. And I find that to be like a really simple and practical way to approach it. Because if it's an extension, and it had been at some point, it was an extension of my desperation or an extension of grasping and attempting to find, you know, something in the world. But It wasn't that long ago when I felt like the switch really flipped and it became an extension of my own piece. And that offering is something that's actually being given to other people. And before that, I could tell that when clients would come back or if certain projects wouldn't work out in a certain way, there was still a tie to it that was within me. It wasn't anything that had to do with the client. I mean, we spoke about this so much in in the coaching that... The extension of myself into my business is how I attracted the clients, what my offering was to them, and being very grateful in that I've recognized that. Like you can recognize that your business is an extension of your own well being, and therefore it's something you can offer to people. And the 
quality of the offering and has just exponentially gone up, you know, since I recognize that, which feels great. Walk out of the shop every day and to know what I'm offering to people and what they're getting and the exchanges I have with the clients and what they're left with. It's just all positive, good things. So that mm. is always, that feels great. And satsang is like sacred community. That's what it means in Sanskrit. So tell yeah. us about the origin of that name. Yeah. The deepest learning I've had in my life has been from my teacher offering satsang. And it's just something that it was sort of like the very first seed that I planted with my business and ensuring that I would bring my full self to it, that it wasn't something I was keeping separate. And just having that name as a recognition really for myself of what I was doing and the reasons that I was doing it. Again, even though it was planted years ago, it feels like it's beginning to come to fruition much strongly very recently, which I'm grateful for. And it's great too, because it's a great icebreaker as I struggle sometimes with the fact that most people don't know what that word means. So it's mispronounced often. And it's, you know, one of the first questions that they ask. And I struggle with that for a while, but really it's, it's an amazing icebreaker for them to get to know me, to get to know what the orientation of the shop is like. I had some interviews with new employees recently and for them to ask, you know, what's that name? What's that word actually mean? Uh, creates a culture really quickly. So I've used that as a more of an opportunity recently, which I've really appreciated. And it hasn't been, like I said, it's a great icebreaker, you know, for people who I potentially could do work with or could work for, or they could work for, for me. So I appreciated mm. that. Yeah. And so maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, we started working together last summer and at that point you were just kind of burned out. I think, would you describe yourself as that? Like you were kind of like, how can I keep doing this? You know, and I, I have a lot of people come to me at that point where they're at a breaking point. It's like, I can't keep doing things this way. Um, and it doesn't seem like the business is enjoyable. So I think it would be really expansive for other people to hear how you worked through that. Like, yeah. what was that process like for you? Yep. So something that you told me, which is, again, a book I still haven't read, but something that you, <laughs> you mentioned to me multiple times is that there are, there are certain levels of our offering in which we can get stuck, right? There's level of competence, level of excellence, level of genius. And the ones that we're most used to doing for me, I'll speak solely for myself. The ones I was most used to doing were the ones I was least willing to give up, right? Because there was a safety and security in myself and being able to accomplish those things. But I really found if I really looked at the way that my normal day would go, I could see that I was in between two worlds, one of being a technician and one of being a business owner. And I was trying, I was holding on to the notion of being a technician, like of me working with my own two hands, which there's nothing wrong with, but it was delaying me becoming a full-blown business owner. It was delaying me moving into that role all the way. Having that recognition immediately opened up the space in the shop for people to come in to fill the space that I had left by then taking on the more important roles. Sales went up immediately. <laughs> Quality of work went up. Everything really cleared up around me clearing up the role that I had in the business. And because I was trying to do both things, you know, like I had one foot in the water, one out, so to speak. I, that's why I was burnt. I was just completely toast. And it was just a labor. There was no longer a labor of love at all. It was just labor of just getting it done and trying to get it done as quick as I could because I had too much on my plate. Trusting in what you do best has been a day-to-day -day lesson and trusting that 
the fruits will come for you doing the things that are easiest for you. Because that's another thing that was difficult was to actually trust in what's most natural for myself. I could view the things that were most natural and think that because they were easy, they didn't hold as much value. The things that I efforted more to do, for whatever reason, I was wired to think there was more value in that. And there's not. (laughs) Um, So bringing the most value to my own business and doing what I do best and what comes easiest to me. And the book he's referring to for anyone listening is Gay Hendricks, The Big Leap. So I highly recommend it to pretty much every client because it just has this real clarity around stepping into your zone of genius, which is that place that you're describing where things feel easeful. You're not alone. Like so many people have to rewire this. So thank you for sharing your experience because I think our society, the way that we've been programmed is that things have to be hard and that we have to work hard. And on some level you do, you do have to create the structures. And sometimes that takes some time, but essentially what you're describing is that we can be supported and we can ask for support. We don't have to do it all ourselves. And that's actually a hindrance to us being the most effective in our business with our clients, right? If we're trying to do it all, then we're actually not delivering the best product. Right. The other thing about that that was made very clear in working together is that there's a difference between things being hard and things requiring effort. Like it's a subtle thing, but I don't get tired if I'm doing things that are hard, if they're still the right things to do. If I'm doing things that require a lot of effort, I get tired. (laughs) You know, and that's typically when I can find myself being like, okay, you're spending too much, too much energy here. You know, there's a way where it's much less effort, even if it's difficult or doing all the numbers and getting all my estimates together in the right way, like working, doing all the Saturn things, as you say, like that was hard for me to do that because it's not something I'm wired to do, but the benefit of it is very obvious and it never burnt me out in doing that. It ended up always being an empowering thing on the other side of doing it. That's so important for people to hear because we avoid those Saturn tasks. Like to the end of time, we will continue to try to avoid them. But it's like in a dream when you're running away from the monster, you know, (laughs) you're supposed to just like turn around and look at the monster. It's the same kind of thing. Like if you just do, if you sit down and you just literally put your effort into doing it on the other side, you feel empowered, you feel clear, you know what you need to do. Like, wouldn't you say? (laughs) 100%. Yeah, 100%. Even today, something as simple as, I mean, it's taken me multiple months to do it, but I finally have this system now where if a potential client calls me in real time on the phone, I can generate an estimate and an invoice and send it to them by the end of the phone call. And it's so profound to be able to... When the phone call hangs up, my mental energy is done with them. They say yes or no, and then I can just leave it. No more the simplicity of you know building on that foundation. Right, The tasks become much more simple then. And then I don't get so engrossed in it because it takes so long. So then I'm not as disappointed if there's a no. (laughs) And I'm not as like, wow, if there's a yes, because it's like, oh, that's just another tick. That's like another part of the process now that you just generate that very simple, very simple communication with potential clients. And the turnover is much more because the task is simple. I think this is a really important point because I think a lot of us identify with our business. Like when somebody says no, we think it's about us and not about 
what we're selling, right? And we have to be the best advocates for the business. We're CEOs, you know, so the invitation is to really step into that leadership role and say, what is best for the business? Sometimes what's best for the business is a system. Sometimes it's actually our health and prioritizing time away from the business, you know? So if we start to think that way, it actually empowers us to make really key decisions like this that sort of take our, like, take it personal out of that, like take the personal piece out of it. Totally. I found so much freedom in the automation of a lot of the processes that I used to do by hand for that like exact reason. It's like, I don't necessarily... like The invoices I sent out today, I didn't necessarily even see what the totals were. I knew what the scope of work was, but I, it was just sent. You know, It's just sent out. Where in the past, if I didn't have the infrastructure of what I was charging and the, the confidence in what I was doing and knowing exactly what they were... I would get so wrapped up in my head around what it was that I was sending. Is this too much? Is this not enough? And that is really what then created the disappointment. It's like when I got my head so wrapped around it and I put too much energy into it, into something that I shouldn't be spending my time doing, the disappointment was higher and the elation of getting it were higher. Right. The stakes were higher. Exactly. 100%. In automating a lot of those things and like you're saying, the Saturn things, it creates a confidence that... If, if it's simple enough to send out and simple enough to, and you're confident enough in what you're sending, some, like you're saying, you trust them that even if they say no, that's the best thing because this is what, <laughs> this is what right. needs. And if you say no, cool, I won't get it. That's fine. It'll yeah. Come. I feel like this is such a good attitude for people to just hear because this is where the piece about becoming a spiritual business owner comes in. It's like, having these systems, really trusting the process, knowing that you're standing in your zone of genius, then you can allow the right clients to come to you and then release those that don't say yes. And it becomes a lot more effortless. And 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 there's less like desperation or clinging to the people who may become clients. That's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to insert some astrology here because like, you have a strong Saturn and we've talked about this a lot, but your Saturn is with the nodes and there's this quality of like either a franticness or chaos that can come with having that destabilizing energy around, especially as a planet like Saturn. It's almost like you just have to ground and get really steady and work with that Saturn energy in a really productive way. And what's interesting about your Saturn is in the 11th house. And that is the house of, of money coming in. It's like a house of surprise and, and, and money generation and community actually. And so it's been the invitation for you to kind of thread that needle. How do I work with this kind of destabilized energy to create more money, to create more community. And so that's why where we started in this container was really with your numbers and getting clear and getting your systems clear, developing SOPs, you know, standards of practice for your business. Working with the Saturn energies, it's a common place for people to start, but it, it seems to me like through our work together, you really were able to step into that stronger Saturn in your chart. Yeah, without question. I mean, it's a lot of the... When I realized that I was holding on too strongly to being a technician, right? To actually like doing the work with my hands. That was when the flood of the obviousness <laughs> of how necessary all those things are really came in. Because it's like, man, I'm, I'm forcing a role that doesn't actually serve me or the business or the employees or the people I'm working for. And then very naturally, just that checklist of all the things that I needed to do, which were all of the things that you and I had spoken about within the first like two weeks of 
of things that would, you know, potentially benefit me were all, were all right there and glaring. All the systems came really naturally. Like after, after I recognized that it came really naturally and inserted themselves pretty effortlessly and quickly. And now, I mean, my employees and I are in different spots in the shop and we get updates on our phone and everything's communicated and everybody, it's just, it's really great. And it's, it's a humming right now for sure, which feels nice. <laughs> I yeah. love that. And we couldn't also escape talking about Mars and your chart. So we're covering the malefics, but you have Mars also on your first house. Both of them are aspecting your first house. Mars is a critical planet for entrepreneurship. You know, if Mars is not well-placed or debilitated or something like that, people can struggle. You don't have that problem. Mars in the seventh is actually the best placement possible for an entrepreneur. So what this allows is for you to be an independent thinker and be an action-oriented person. And because you have moon in the first house, there's also this creativity that comes with that and like how you're going to make that happen. That's also a really good combination for, for creating wealth. So when I saw that you were like in your moon period and you're about to transition into Mars, I was like, oh, this is the perfect time for us to work together. You know, when we had our sales call, it was like, okay, this is, you're like being set up to step into this next layer of, of experience with Mars. And so all this kind of groundwork around Saturn has helped to set you up to really step into this Mars period and, and experience the karma of receiving and having a better time in your, in your work. Right. Does that feel true? hundred <laughs> percent. Yep. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. That's the easiest way to say it, especially the last month or so. You know, the last month or so really, I've just witnessed the things beginning to sprout and things beginning to, to flower that, you know, cause sometimes you, you do a bunch of things. You don't necessarily see the fruit of it right away. You know, you don't realize that because I'm so overwhelmed and the work is the thing that is on my mind that I'm thinking I have to get done. You don't want to turn your head to do the other foundational aspects of actually building the business. So to do all of those things without necessarily seeing the fruit of it was the task. That, that was, that was the task for sure. But then, the second that they were done, the larger opportunities started to come and the, the bigger hitters started to come and the larger orders started to come and newer companies started to come. And it just all these things began to open and there was there, then there was a foundation to receive all that and to communicate clearly and to answer better questions and all of that. One thing I also wanted to talk about in this conversation is, and I really wanted to you know, what, one thing we really worked on was credibility, like you actually recognizing how unique your process, your, your brain trust, your, you know, intellectual property around this, like all of those pieces. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that and like how you can even talk about how you are unique in the industry and share some of that. Hmm. Yeah. I think what was hard about finding credibility in myself was not trusting the ease I think because I've I've always been able to do things with my hands. That's it's just it, there was very little learning curve with that. Like you said, I've always been able to. I'm very visual, so I can always I can see things done in my head and can just allow what I'm working with to catch up to the image in my head, right? And it's always been that way. I've I, I've never even recognized until we were working together that was something that. Was he like? <laughs> yeah, like I, it wasn't just because I oh, I see everything that way. Being grateful for that, for one, being like, "Well, this is a this is a skill. This is a unique thing that I can do," and 
trusting that. In trusting it, then the credibility was able to be seen. I could actually see that, well, this is something that you can bring to your business and you can bring to whatever it is that you're doing. And it's beneficial for everyone else that's involved. And that was cool. That was cool. Because then the freedom to do it is now like dogs off the leash kind of thing. Again, the conversations get higher stakes and the the people I'm working with and speaking to are heavy hitters. And all as that self-trust began to grow, then the larger opportunities came very timely, you know, right at the same time. I mean, I want to kind of toot your horn a little bit because I think you are unique in the industry. One thing that we talked about a lot is like how focused on safety you are and like how sometimes people are wiring vans in a way that they could like catch on fire. And so you're very focused on that. And then also the custom unique solutions that you came up with and you actually like started a shop on your site and we're just selling those specific solutions. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Another, I think another reason that credibility was tough, I'll just tie into it is because of the nature of our industry. What I'm doing with, with the vans really took off. There's some backstory to it with like Volkswagen Westphalia as they've been around for a long time. But really integrating an off-grid camper into a blank van is a pr- relatively new thing in the way that it's happening now. So no one, no one really had any idea what they were doing. Like the first couple that I built, I was like, ah, this sounds right. This looks good. <laughs> and not really sure because there's no standard. You know, there's no organization that's standardizing anything in how you put a camper into a van. So there is, there's a lot of being a lot of room to trust yourself when it came to that, because the way that I would see things done, like, yeah, that's good. That is a standardizable practice, <laughs> you know? And then what very quickly, a lot of people turned into as big of a business as they possibly could. So they tried to replicate people like Winnebago, three or four plans, and they just pump them out as quick as they can, which had a bit of a higher margin for error, but also lower on the on the caliber of like the quality scale was lower. And yeah, there's only four of us left in the state right now that are actually doing custom, like you said, bespoke vans. I'm working with a bunch of different window companies right now. And really I'm the only one in the industry that has solved a couple of these issues, which is translating materials from the industry of campers and RVs into the van industry. Cause there's really no, there's no hardware. There's no, you know, a rooftop air conditioner or a heater or a window or anything like this that's made specifically for the vans because people just started building them in tin cans. The ways that all of those materials are made in their factories and by their manufacturers are for the much larger industry of RVs and campers, right? Like the box campers, the pull-behind campers. So there's a lot of ways that it was difficult to integrate all of that into building a van. I'm, I'm really lucky to have a couple different pieces of technology in my shop, like a CNC machine and a ProLiner where I can really dial in that process. And like you said, I'm now offering a bunch of that on my shop and supporting a lot of custom builders as well as people that are building their own vans across the country. As of like a few months ago on three continents. So that's pretty cool. Something else I wanted to ask you, and this kind of dovetails into that, what are some of the common misconceptions that people have about van life? And like, what would you say to someone who may be listening, who wants to move their life into a van? What do they yeah. need to know? Yeah. Uh, don't trust Instagram. That's be my first suggestion. 
glorifies it to a huge degree. And there are amazing parts of it. But I've never met anyone that has gotten a van, built it with their budget they had in mind in the time frame that they created for themselves. <laughs> so I think people think that because it's a smaller space, that it'll be easier or faster. And it's the opposite because you're in a space that's not made for what it is that you're trying to accomplish. So, and you can't make the walls bigger. You can't straighten them out. You know, they are, they're set. And you're, you're dealing with some pretty intensive, especially with the electrical systems and hooking into gas tanks in order to get hot water and hot air in the van. Like it's, there are high consequences if you, if you don't do it right. And sometimes YouTube and Instagram can be a little, a little misleading just in saying that, yeah, you just hook this wire to here and drop the gas tank and do this. And so don't be afraid to ask for help for those things, I'd say, and do your research on that. But, you know, don't think that because it's smaller and that because a lot of people are doing it, that it's, that it's easier. Well, do you live in a van? I guess I should ask. I do not. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I have two children. So the van life is out is out for me. I lived in the back of my truck for a few years with my dog. So a van is like a mansion. It comes <laughs> it to a mansion. mobile space, <laughs> you know. But yeah, it is. It's a very, it's a great opportunity for people to experience freedom in their life, especially the way that a lot of people are working remotely these days become really popular. So people get to go be an accountant on a beachside, you know, and they get to go be financial advisors on tops of mountains and stuff. And that's a, it's a cool thing to provide for people. hundred percent. Like if I hadn't found this farm and met my husband, I probably would have been a van life person for sure. Cause I don't need that much space, but my dream was to, to have a farm. So I had to, to do that, <laughs> that first, but I love the idea of being able to move around and having a nice cozy space where, you know, you're able to make your hipster coffee and have your compost toilet and all that. <laughs> yeah. Your Instagram selfies every day. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to somebody who's like thinking about working with me about your experience um, and like how working together helps you better understand yourself through your chart you know, how it helped you. I mean, we've been talking about this throughout, but like, what would you say to that person? First thing is don't, don't be afraid to be confronted. Receive that as a really important part of the process. Because the first thing that one of the, the, well, the main thing that you recognize is you're creating the entire circumstance for yourself. You're creating the entire reality of your business on your own. By saying, even as you said, you attract a certain kind of clients, you attract these certain kinds of clients, you by what you're putting out. So instead of trying to change anything outside of yourself, you have to change how you're attracting and how you're, how you're running your business. And that's confronting for sure. But it's very beneficial and it's very empowering at the end of the day. I wouldn't say expect it, but welcome it, <laughs> you know, what well, welcome that part of it because it's where the real growth happens. And then it becomes an extension and a support of your well-being. If you're willing to be confronted, then really no bad thing can happen, right? Because everything then becomes an opportunity or an invitation to grow and to make subtle or large changes that will support you in the long run. Yeah. in your business and your life. hundred percent. I mean, I always say that business is a spiritual practice because it it's one of those places where the rubber hits the road. You're going to be confronted with your karmas. You're going to have to do 
some work to transform. And I, I, you know, if we can invite that, if we see it as an opportunity for, you know, transformation and growth, then it's a very powerful vehicle. (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's one of those, you don't, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. All I knew is I didn't want a boss anymore. When, when I started my business, I just didn't want to be limited by what someone else was telling me to do. You know, that was really at the end of the day, it, that was it for me. I wanted to be able to spend more time with my children based on what their life was like also. And to not think that my engagement with them was going to be based around someone else's desire for me to support their business. It's like you said, I, I didn't realize initially how intensely the rubber hits the road when you put your entire livelihood like in your own hands. Really take that responsibility and take that step of, wow, like, okay. <laughs> it's easy to not see it when there's the consistency of, of income coming in from another, from someone else in essence, right? Or from like a consistent job. But taking that step and starting my own business was like, holy smokes, like everything's right here. Like, okay, everything <laughs> is right here. It happened fast. It was it was very fast. And like you said, the rubber hits the road and you can hide from it and <laughs> make it worse. <laughs> or you can be willing and just get confronted and accept it and grow. How has it been for you to have your chart, you know, have my insights on your chart and, and to yeah. know a little bit more about that? And how has that helped you in your business? So the perfect way to say it was is actually something that my teacher said in Satsang not long ago when he said... Where is it that we're meant to receive spiritual teachings, right? It's because, and the answer that he gave is in the unknown parts of ourself, right? Because if we can receive those things there, then we're not attempting it to filter through this already existing notion of ourself. And it's much easier to grow into. And having the chart read was direct exposure of that (laughs) because... All of the, all of the certain tendencies that I had or things that I wasn't quite aware of that I was doing, I wasn't quite aware of why I was behaving this way were just immediately presented. And it was, it was emotional sometimes. It made me very angry sometimes, you know, it made me really frustrated, but also just insanely necessary to be shown and given insights that you're in essence blind to. And I came to work with you because I recognized that there was something that needed to change and that I wasn't doing it right on my own. And that was, that, that was incredibly helpful. And again, sometimes frustrating, but that was why I signed up for it. Yeah. yeah. And in retrospect, it, it, it helped. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. So I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Um, the first one is, what is one piece of advice that has really helped you in your life? Wake up and carry on with your day. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. is the origin or who said it? My teacher said it to me after a day of complaining. <laughs> <laughs> after a lot of complaining, the second part of it was there's nothing you can't do. So just wake up and go about your day. Uh, do you have a morning routine and, and what part? if any, is non-negotiable Yeah. aside from waking up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. I keep a temple in my home. So there's, there's puja that happens pretty regularly. And every morning, I, that's the first place I go when I wake up is come and sit. And whether there's pranayama or asana that takes place, it's just, you can feel that there's a mental tuning to that. 
to just recognizing that's where the day begins. And then there's the foundation in yourself to, to carry on with your day. My next question is, what are you reading right now? Or are there books that you would recommend that are, have been really important in your life? The book that I would say more than any sparked as a catalyst when I was young was Henry David Thoreau's book, Walden. That was just uh, not the same human after reading that. Um, and what I'm reading right now is a collection of Neville Goddard's works, all of his books in one. And it's just one of those books that like you read it, you read a paragraph and you have to stop and because it's just, it just the way that that integrates just takes a minute. So I'm really grateful for that. We'll put a link to those in the show notes. Um, Neville Goddard's Feeling is the Secret is one that I really enjoy. And um, it's funny that you mentioned Thoreau because there was a quote of Thoreau when I was a teenager. I would go to this coffee shop and in the bathroom it said, don't sit down to write until you've stood up to live. And I always remembered that quote by Thoreau. It was just like, go live, right? Go like mm, embrace life and do things. And that really has informed my life. So... <laughs> Cool. How can people connect with you or find out more about your work? Yeah, we're on Instagram, Satsang Van Works. Website's always there. Um, you can check out our shop on our website and see what we're up to. We have a live chat that's on all day. Yeah, on Instagram, Instagram is probably the best way. We have updates every couple of days about new projects and new things that are happening. Awesome. We'll share that in the show notes as well. Well, thank you, Michael, for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weave Your Bliss podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a comment for us. I want to thank the team at Team Podcast who helped get this podcast out to you. And also to thank the musicians who were the creators of this beautiful music we're listening to now. It comes from an album, Fragments of a Season, by Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantula-Desma. So check it out wherever you get your music. Have a wonderful day and we will connect soon on a future episode.